Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey everybody, welcome to the Beastie Boys documentary after show. We are here live, ready to get into it. I am your moderator, Sean McHugh, aka the old dude in the club. I am joined, <laughs> I am joined by three lovely ladies. First of all, Jerusalem, aka J Diva. How are you tonight? What's up, y'all? I'm excited to be here. Also, we have Miss Kitty, aka kitty kaboom in the house what up everybody i'm so excited to be back i can't wait to talk about this and last but certainly not least k aka k boogie what's (laughs) up y'all let's get it all right we got a lot to talk about first of all let's go around let's get everybody's uh overall thoughts on this doc and like how it all how it all came out uh k boogie let's start with you Yo, I learned so much. I learned so much about the process of them getting everything together, of their like many talents, how they are, you know, eventually learn how to play their own instruments. A lot of stuff blew me away. So really interesting. Some facts I would like to get into, but overall, I liked it. Nice. Jay Diva, what were your thoughts? It was a good throwback since a lot of it I was watching, I wasn't alive yet. Um, and I'm from New York, so just seeing the old school New York scene, it just is a lot of nostalgia. I feel like I missed out on the fun times. And oh. they had me looking at Russell Simmons sideways. So it'll be interesting to talk about that because I was like, damn, Russell was a shady to the boys. But it was such a good informative um, and like mind opening documentary because it's like you really see how they paved the way for a lot of people, including Eminem. Mm. Kitty Kaboom, your overall thoughts. Um, I agree with Jay Diva and with Kay. It was very informative. There were a lot of things that I did know because I was a teenager during the time that they were coming up, but there are a lot of things that I didn't. So it was really nice to just kind of get a background on everything. And I was always a little fuzzy on how they got into the Tibetan movement. So it was nice to have that like paved out for me. I'm a big like um person. So that really hit home. Um, and yeah, I did not necessarily, I enjoyed the content quite a bit. I I was very excited about learning, as you said, seeing them perform and then finding out so many things about who they were individually and not just as a group. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Kitty, that I didn't love this format. Um, It took me a minute to get into it. So we'll get into that, but overall, I, I I definitely liked it. I mean, again, I'm also a, a, I'm in, I'm 11 years old when License to Ill comes out. So mm. like, this is all like, this was one big flashback to, you know, uh, me in grade school, trying to, trying to break it down, trying to do my thing <laughs> and not probably not really doing it. So uh, I'm anyway, I'm excited to get into it. So, all right. So let's, let's really, let's talk about the format at first. Cause I did not, I did not watch the trailer. I just saw, Oh, Beastie Boys doc, no brainer. Right. And then 
oh, it's a live, it's like a TED Talk documentary, right? Yeah. Like, so the format was a little weird for me. Um, Jay Love, or I'm sorry, Jay Diva, my bad. I like Jay Love. I Jay Love, Jay Diva, it's all love, <laughs> you know. Uh, what was what was your feelings on the format? Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be um, like a regular documentary type where we were going to be shown pictures and interviews. But I did appreciate the setup with them doing it kind of like, you know, uh, whatever those kind of shows are called, where it's like a one man like dressed in all black to the audience. I thought that was interesting. In addition to like, you could tell the people in the audience were diehard fans. So seeing the fan reactions, it it would make me excited because again, like maybe I didn't understand the significance of something. So when a song would play to hear the audience reaction, it set the tone for me like, okay, this is some shit I need to pay attention to because they remember <laughs> it. I need to pay attention. Um, but then you got to see that raw emotion, you know, um, from them because they were there, they were living it. It was funny to see how they would react to watching themselves back because it's like we all thought we were so cool when we were younger. But then it's like when you're watching yourself back as an adult, you're like, oh, my gosh, I was such a loser. <laughs> so I, I appreciated it. I mean, I, I would love to hear what you guys say. But coming from me, I appreciated the, the setup. OK, so I want to go to someone I think who's on my team. Kitty Kaboom, what are your thoughts? Here's the thing, I'm all for a director that is able to look outside the box and say, this is how documentaries are done. So I don't wanna follow that, I wanna stand out. We all know Spike Jones is infamous, <laughs> for lack of a, you know, kinda sorta, for thinking outside the box, for creating content that's a little skewed and off kilter and it kinda makes you pay more attention. I respect that about him and I love it, but for me, it just didn't resonate in this format. Like. I agree, agree with you, uh, Jay Diva, that it was nice to see the audience reaction, but honestly, that's probably the only thing I did like about it. I thought it was slow moving. I literally checked out in my mind a couple of times and had to rewind to make sure I was paying attention. I was like, oh my God, they don't stop freaking talking. Like they're just, I wanted some interviews that were more personal. I would have liked to see. And then always, I'm just always looking for a film to be a film. So even if it's done like this, I would have liked to have like maybe some crazy different uh, camera angles or a shot that, you know, blows up in slow motion or just something that had to do with what we know as like background stuff, you know, things that we know go into the actual making of a, um, a movie. I would have liked to see more of that. The only time I saw anything that was just like, oh, that was kind of cool is remember when they pushed out the table and had the double reels? The two yeah. rails and showed how they did it and rigged it. I was like, okay, now that's something that I can kind of sink my teeth into. And then the camera angle was him pulling it back off stage. And then you saw them from like, you know, depth of field. That was something that I could get in. But everything else yeah. was literally just like, I felt like I was watching a rap group that didn't know how to work the crowd. You know what I mean? Like a, a rapper that just walks back and forth, up and down the stage, don't know how to dance, don't know how to do any spin. Like, I need more. I'm sorry. Give me something else. So it kind of had me tuning out, unfortunately, a little bit. I went back. I watched it. But I would have liked for it to be presented in such a way that had me on the edge of my seat. Because they're so iconic. They're yeah. so dope. I think they deserve better. Yeah, I think I think if you were there live, it was a whole different experience. Like, Probably. if you were in the audience. But as a at home watching it, it just I don't think it translated but okay what did you what did you how did you feel I mean I watch a lot of TED talks so it felt very TED talky to me and I enjoyed it for that the format didn't bother me at all I had seen the um 
the trailer. So I knew it was going to be like that. And I've never seen a doc done that way. And actually afterwards, it made me think of so many groups that I would love to see do that. You know, I would love to see them react to their own material. So I feel like you had a trade-off, right? Like with a normal doc, you're going to have a bunch of talking heads that are involved in the situation and you get their opinions. In this situation, you didn't get anybody's opinion, right? Or anybody's take on anything except for the Beastie Boys. So you had to trade. I felt like it was like a trade-off. Hmm. You know, for that, you got the other thing. So Nice. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. There, there, there was a trade-off, but, you know, they took a swing and it is what it is. So... <laughs> All right. uh, so moving on. So uh, it was very interesting to get for me to get the the beginnings of the Beastie Boys, and I and I think we can all agree that MCA Adam Yalk is is the brains behind all this, right? Like he's the one that really pushes all this and and gets it going. So they obviously started as a band first, and so that was that was all very interesting for me. Uh, let's see, uh, Jay Diva, how, how you know what were your yeah. thoughts on on some of that, especially being someone that didn't that wasn't yeah. around, right? So growing up, I always felt like um, like I would hear the Beastie Boys music and I would be like, wow, they're really good at uh, incorp like intertwining rap and rock, like naturally, it's in their music, it's in the sound. So to but I just I always associated them as rappers. Nothing, I didn't really even associate them as the band, even though I knew they played instruments. I just associate them as rappers. So to see that they actually started as a band and um, had a girl member, of course, I didn't know that at all. I just was like, wow, this is just really interesting. And you could really see that their, their punk rock start in the early 80s in New York with the looks that they had and the people they were hanging out with. It was really cool to watch and like compare in comparison to like the Motley Crue movie. You know, because it's mm. like a, going on around the same time, but at the same time, it's on two separate sides. Like they're in LA and then you're watching right. the Beastie Boys in New York in the early 80s, that scene, that time. Again, like I, I feel like I missed out. Um, but it was cool to see how they came together and even with, you know, changes that they made in the group early on with some of the members and how it solidified just the group that was going to create this legacy. Yes. Shape hip hop. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I like at one point he says, we were Monty Python as much as Black Flag. Yeah, right? right. So like so there was right, cool. there's always what's great about the BC is that there's always this sense of humor, right? This like oddity about them. Uh Kate, uh sorry, Kitty Kaboom, what what were your thoughts on this on the early years here and how, how that um, all came out? Just to kind of um piggyback on what you just said, I really did respect that a lot about them too. If I felt like they never took themselves too seriously, or that was the image that I feel like they portrayed, like everything was just like a game, a joke, uh you know, we're making music, then we're getting high, then we're eating and we're having a good time. And then we're coming back and doing it all over again, you know, rinse, repeat. But I did learn that through this, there were some heavy times where they took themselves very seriously and they wanted to project an image that was solid and we're a group and we're not just, you know, one hit wonder, we're here to stay. We have some really great things to add or, and to contribute to music in general, but specifically to hip hop. So yeah, um, that whole CBCG, Right is the name of that uh, club back in the day. Remember, yeah. Sean? Yeah, yeah, CB, yeah, CBG, yes, CBGB, CBCG. Right? I think is CBGBs. What it, yeah, CBGBs. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that I can totally see them headlining there. You know what I mean? That kind of quirkiness, that kind of again out of the box. Like we don't have to follow a certain formula. And understanding that they came from a hard rock back, uh, background, it makes sense that when they decided to 
become rappers, that that would be a heavy influence on their music. And that helped them a great deal as well. When you said, Jay, that they paved the way for other people, especially Eminem, were you speaking directly to the fact that they're all white or that their style? No, the style. Like, okay. even when I saw the cover for their license to ill and then i'm like oh that eminem literally just came out with kamikaze it's the same cover literally um, just stole it all <laughs> stole it like literally oh. stole the whole thing and then just the sound i'm like this is like what we got blink 182 and yes. some, court, some 41 and limp biscuit the intertwining of the punk rock and then even now with rappers now you got the little uzi burts um you got uh even like the migos where it's like a melodic punk rock sound to the hip-hop and I've always noticed that just growing up, like I was saying with like Limp Biscuit, like they were rapping, but they're rockers. And so when you bring it back, it's like, oh, who was the originators? I would say that is Beastie Boys. Okay, Jay, with the knowledge <laughs> of the rap groups and the okay. and such. I right. love it. I love it. I know it. a little thing or two. Right. I'm going to be taking notes like, wait, let me get my rap game up. Uh, I need some stuff. All, all right, Kay. Right. So well, at one point they say that Sucker MCs changes everything for them that's really when they want to be that's like we got to be we want to be rappers right yeah. so and then and then they get introduced to rick rubin who becomes their cool older brother right yeah. so so talk a little bit about that because uh you had touched on it earlier uh you had so you had touched on wow i'm sorry i just lost my train of thought anyway no, i wanted i really wanted to talk about russell simmons that's what got oh that's what, that's what i was saying that's what it was you that's were saying really that, like, yeah oh. like you like you were gonna throw some shade at russell so this no, is all kind I was of not gonna throw that here's the thing guys i was not gonna throw shade at russell uh, um russell simmons because i felt like he was unduly shaded i felt like listen russell came to you guys he told you i'm gonna make y'all bigger than captain crunch y'all gonna be rapping rock stars Y'all gonna be the biggest things out here. Y'all gonna make so much money. Like he told y'all that you, he told you you're gonna do all these things when you were just kids and you were kind of like, I guess we can do it. Like he gave, he put you up on game. He gave you the game. He delivered 110%. You were all over the place. You in Germany, you in Japan, you all over rocking everywhere. You are world famous. Now you're going on a little bit of a, um, a hamster wheel with choring and you don't like it, which a lot of art happens to a lot of artists and they felt like they weren't being true to themselves and that whole thing. But when they were like, yeah, and we wanted to stop touring, but Russell Simmons, once we start touring, they decided that they weren't going to give us um, residuals because we weren't going on tour making any new albums. Bruh, that sounds like a record deal. <laughs> That's how record deals work, boo-boo. Like, exactly. you think Russell Simmons, you've been making him literally millions of dollars and he's invested in you. And do you think he's going to let you just sit back and twiddle your thumbs and not make him any more money? That is the deal that you make with a record company. So I felt like they really weren't taking responsibility with that. I was like, mm, I don't think that's fair. Now, was it probably messed up that Russell was like, Y'all don't want to work. I'm gonna not give y'all residuals on publishing or whatever. Like, sure, but what what options does he have as your manager and as a guy that's like procured this this record deal with you? You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was really interesting, kind of irresponsible of them. I mean, I'm not a total Russell Simmons guy. I mean, it, you know, there's some he could have raped some women back in the day, whatever. You know, like right. he's not the he's We're not, not the best actor. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? He got some stuff going down. But when it comes to that, I was like, bro, that's business. They were like, we thought we were friends and he did this to us. I was like, 
that's called a record deal boo so yeah, yeah I mean but if they were friends then I would think that there would just be more of a conversation along the lines of understanding like all right these are some guys they're young they're coming of age and they need a break and they're just exhausted and that doesn't mean that they necessarily need to go on tour why did why couldn't it mean that they get that break that they need to create another dope album and then go on tour. It, I don't think we heard that from them. So maybe that just didn't happen. Maybe the fact that they didn't want to go on tour, it just turned off Russell and that relationship that they thought they had with him, it just ended, which, you know, we know it happens in the industry and it could be, it can leave you feeling bitter. And I, I sense some bitterness on their end. Yeah, I can still some bitterness on their end. And especially right. because they were like, later. at that point, they even admitted they didn't know what they wanted to do. They were all kind of twiddling their thumbs. One went to, you know, Hollywood. The other one was doing this. This one was doing drugs. You know what I mean? Like, they really didn't know what they were going to do. And they well, kind of ended up getting into that same situation with Capitol Records. The next, you see them, like, repeating behaviors, but then, like, not realizing what they were doing. There was uh, some lack of self-awareness there as well, so... But they were still also, making good music. They when they made music, it was good. So, but I I was gonna say I just I also think that you know we we can easily forget that these are kids. Yeah, you know, like That's kids and like saying. you got kind of like endless money and you can do whatever you want and you just got to show up for the show. Like I just think of myself at that time, like it's not a good look, you know. Like, <laughs> like I would not be responsible either. So I mean, I think I think it's I think you're right, Kate. There there definitely was a thing of not taking responsibility. But I think also Russell was a businessman and he was like, I got to do what I got to do. I'm creating Def Jam. I'm, you know, groundbreaking. Uh, you know, I gave these I gave these three white kids a shot and look, it blew up. So, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so for him walking them through the steps, who would have done it? And then they, that, that person might not have even been them been their friend to lend them to advice or to tell them listen this is how this, the actual business works in order to follow a b and c you're right they were young i mean i have a young son young adult son let's be clear and of course he still makes really bad decisions but not to this degree my point is that i can see how they were not compute not clear on what the next steps needed to be taken in order for them to prosper. But at the same time, if there's some kind of camaraderie there, it would have been nice for their, their legacy to include a conversation that was like, yeah, we sat down, we had a come to Jesus meeting, we broke bread, we talked, and we decided based on what he shared with us that this was the route we wanted to take. And I don't think they got that, but at the same time, who has time for, like, not every manager is able to babysit, you know? Yeah, and then especially when you're running a label too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I kind of got some other shit to do over here. And I'm yeah. paying y'all who got the money. So get it together. <laughs> okay. But uh, years right. later, it seemed like they were still salty. So that's yeah. what I got that's, me. That's an interesting point. Uh, all right. So License to Ill drops 1986. Fight for your right to party. Probably the anthem of sixth grade for me. Um, I, you know, I love this song. I It just brings back so many memories. This is one of those songs, like, if you put it on at any wedding... At any club, oh, every yeah. everybody is in and singing it and knows all the words. So, um, so and now they're also they're opening for Run DMC, right? Like this is the biggest rap group at the time. You know, still one of my top my top ten, easy. Um, so let let they they go out and then they're realizing on tour that you know with especially with. Um, Fight for right to party, they're making fun of the frat guys, and then they start becoming those same frat guys partying, right? right? Um, and 
their own tour and they're realizing that we don't even like our own songs anymore, you know, because it's just like this crazy insanity. Um, so let's see, talk a little bit about that, uh, Jay Diva. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just you coming of age, right? Like, are, it, you're not even, when you turn 18, you're not even who you were when you were 16. Mm. You're right. changing every single day rapidly. Your brain is developing. Your personality is changing. You don't want to even hang out with the same people. You're not even interested in the same girls or guys. Um, so I could understand that. But that's where I would say, like, you know, to bring it back to that Russell Simmons conversation, was there some mentorship going on for these young boys as they're, coming of age and you know as an artist it's like look these are the people these are the songs people want to hear regardless if you you like it or not how can we make them brand new for you when you're performing them so where you're not getting so tired of them and you know what what do we want to do with your next album um so that when you're touring you can still intertwine the song that people want to hear in a way that you like it you know we've seen other artists do it um, remix it because it, it was just really disappointing to see them speaking low, so low of the songs that we all love. Like these are the songs, these are the, the most iconic songs that everyone loves. And you're, you guys are saying that you hate them and you started to yes. hate performing them. And it was just really unfortunate because you saw what happened with their next album. It was just like dead crickets, like they said. Um, so it just, it, it was, it's unfortunate, but I, I just really feel like there must have been something missing in regards to the management mentorship role that could have guided them at that time because they were so young and all they were doing was really being rebellious teenagers. Somebody could have just reared them in like, yo, this is the moneymaker right here, but we can still fit in your passions and what you want to do to, and also satisfy your fans. I feel right. like Rick Rubin could have played that role. I don't know. They didn't mention that he was, but because, because he came um, into their sphere so early on and they were and he was uh, their big brother as they said I think that probably would have been a role that would have been good for him to kind of adapt but he was kind of new to the biz as well even though he right. was a few years older than them right. and he knew his way he was very clear about what he wanted to do and didn't want to do he couldn't have been older than like 22 23 himself so right. to expect that somebody you know would come in it makes sense and today's uh I'd like to think that in today's uh, music uh, genre, or that doesn't make any sense, the music business, thank you, kidding, <laughs> that there's somebody that's going to be there. Much as we would like to think that when you get drafted into the NBA at 16, somebody other than your mama is going to be like, check this out. This is what it's about to occur. These are the steps you want to take. It would have been nice had that happened, but it seemed like they're always kind of all over the place though, right? Like they didn't ever, yeah. even in their adult life, they were just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think I'll just do this. It's they just kind of who they were. Yeah. Right. Well, they're yeah. definitely like. I think there's a thing of like, especially that first album. Like, they don't even know what their voice is yet, right? Right. Like they're still figuring that out. And then when they find, okay, so like you know, the tour's over. They almost have like a pseudo breakup, right? And then, yeah. uh, and then discovers the Dust Brothers, right? And they just get back together and they realize we need to do. We need to do yeah, like those days are way gone. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, they, they do it. They, they get in the studio. They, they take a year. They, they fine tune themselves, their instruments and their voice. So Kay, talk about this thing of like, literally their like their second album that they're really excited about opens to crickets. Yeah. I, <laughs> I felt really bad for them because here's the thing at that time, um, 
like the the songs that were trending were Fight the Power by Public Enemy, mm. uh, Me, Myself, and I by De La Soul, LL Cool J, I'm the Type of Guy. This is very different music. Like hip hop mm. had really changed in just a few years. So looking back on it, I'm like, I mean, now I like those songs. I love Shadrack. I love um, Shake Your Rump. I like, you know what I mean? There are a bunch of songs in there that I, I love. Hey, ladies. But back right. then, yeah. I'm not sure I did, right? Like listening to it now, you're like, oh, they got some box on there. But hip hop wasn't, it wasn't the same place that it was when they had started. So, um, yeah, that was, I mean, I felt sad for them in a way, but then in a way, when we're talking about, we we spent all our money, we rented this giant house, we was dressed up in this lady's clothes, so once again, wilding, you know, they like 22, you know, we're doing all this stuff, and then we spent all Capital Records money, and then we didn't make any other money back, but they still had to pay us because we had a contract. I'm like, oh, look, a contract working in handy for you. Good for you. Um, but they're <laughs> like, you know, so then we had to make another album. So we were just like, okay, let's make another album. So I was just like, wow, the stakes feel like, I feel like the stakes are kind of low for them. You know what I mean? Even though they yeah. fail because of money and success and deals, they're able to fail. Um, right. But it was yeah. interesting to conceptualize it and realize, oh, hip hop had changed and certain things like the climate was different. And although we appreciate Paul's boutique now, um, I didn't. I don't know about if you guys appreciated it then. I didn't appreciate it. then. Yeah, not definitely not as much as License to L for me. Um, all right. So now we get to a kind of a, a point that, you know, real life hits like for real. Because their buddy Dave Skilkin dies of an overdose, right? Right. So that then this so is sad. like, the, this is real life, and this is like all your party stuff is fun, but you know, and now you lost a good friend of yours, and you could tell they really took that hard. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kitty, please talk about that a little bit. Well, I think it was really dope that they were able to reflect on that in such a way that they paid homage almost to him. Um, and I think it's even better that at the time of that happening, they had perceptions about how people would perceive them, how they perceive themselves, each other. It was a whole, again, being young, just trying to find your own identity. So I remember it might've been, um, shoot, Ad Rock maybe, that said that he expected when all of this went down and they went back home, that their friends of that time would mm. look at them differently and be like, oh, those are the guys from License to Ill. They must be, you know, killing it. When in fact, it was just friends that had developed a friendship many, many years ago, coming together and talking about nothing but this man that they all were deeply affected by. I mean, what sixth grader do you know that's cutting school with a freaking that heart? Okay, that I'm part. sorry. Where is your mama? <laughs> <laughs> he was getting into some stuff. So he obviously made an impression on all of them. And so for them to come together and just let everything else go to the wayside, I'm just amazed that like you're such a big star that you think the people that grew up with you are going to be like, oh, I can't believe you came through the door. Like, I remember when you used to wipe your nose on your sleeve. I don't right. care right. or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't. We get it. You're a big deal to the whole world. But my name is Kate. I used to play drums for you guys. So cut it out. You know, and I really like that they were able to ease into that and learn from that experience. It was super heavy and sad. But the fact that it made it into this documentary means that it, he meant a lot to them. And he clearly influenced them in a really good way. So it's nice to have them be like, of all the things we've been through, 
we can pay homage to this man who was just a man who was just trying to figure it all out just like we were and unfortunately he didn't make it but we did so big ups to him nice all right so 92 check your head drops we got past the mic right and they have this kind of nine to five montage uh, right. in the in this thing that I just thought was hilarious it was so I, didn't, so I kept them. expecting them to like say we wrote the lyrics or something I'm like what does this have to do with but then I liked it I'm yeah I know so so uh, Jay Diva talk a little bit about that whole that whole part in the in the doc well no it was good to like see the transition um just because just because I wanted to touch on this before um with the failure of the second album and then their friend dying i felt like it was a humbling experience that they needed to go through because mm -hmm. you know they rose to fame at such young ages you don't get those humbling experiences when you're traveling the world at 16 17 and 18 years old um so now seeing them in 92 now they're you know they're in their early 20s they're coming into their adulthood they're figuring this whole thing out they're now on the west coast i felt like that album the reason it's one of one of their iconic albums in addition to their first one is because they were like all right this is really who we are we know who we are we know what we come from and we really know what we want to tell the world and i think that's what we got for their 92 album nice uh okay chime in a little on that um i i i just thought it was interesting that like um, Jay Diva was saying, it was really good for them to be humble because you saw no humility at any point from <laughs> from jump, like zero. So I was I was actually excited for them to get knocked on their butt a little bit and then you know have to go through a little bit of a rough patch and then come out the other side. But I think I agree with Jay Diva; they totally needed that. They needed it. Yeah. Um awesome so 94 we get ill communication and we probably get in my opinion the best beastie boys video of all time with sabotage <laughs> yeah. um so i mean this i mean the, the thing about the beastie boys music is as soon as any of their songs start you immediately know it's a beastie boys song right like they have they have done such an amazing job of these iconic uh sounds and it's funny because it's not like a drum it's not a, it's just like some random sound that just kind of fires you up and you instantly know that you are in a beastie boys world uh lots of bass lots of bass. yeah but i mean obviously you know because mca but uh so uh k k uh wow i'm just i'm just make, making up stuff now kitty that's what yeah. i want to say <laughs> kitty uh so talk about that talk about sabotage um, I really did like the video and you're absolutely right. It's iconic. I think that's the one, um, video, well, maybe not one, but definitely in the top three of what people remember when they associate B B B Beastie Boys with rap in general. I think it was a bit groundbreaking. This isn't something that I think it just always goes back to, and I don't mean to sound super redundant, but they have always been outside the box. I feel like mm -hmm. I need a better term, but they just did not go with the status quo whatever hit them was their thing and you know what i really like about that they didn't they never mention it like that they never say like yeah you know the record label was pushing back and saying we had to follow this formula because that's what's worked in the past and we were like no we're gonna do it our way because we're the beastie boys and we make hits and it wasn't any of that it was just like yeah you know we got together we smoked some weed came up with this concept we hired somebody and boom there we go you know i really like that almost um 
it's almost like they don't even get that it was a big deal, right? So the fact that they weren't humble is not cool, but the fact that they were unaware in this specific instance, or at least it appears that they were, is pretty cool because then it's like, dude, you killed it. And they're like, we kind of did, didn't we? <laughs> you know, I like, the, I like the video a lot. And I like that time in their lives where they were able to do whatever and not have it be questioned because it just hadn't been done before. You know, it's like, how do you take issue with something that you've never even seen? Yes, no, like that. they're they're very good at, at just like creating a new normal or just reinventing themselves. Uh, and I like what you said, Katie, about like, you know, when you think about hip hop in general, uh, it's about like looking fresh and being yeah. dope, right? And these guys don't give three shits in a bag about like how they look. Like, they, just like they didn't know any better. They didn't well, even know. They literally were all dressed in like some kung, kung fu, black and white, following behind Rip Rubin. Then the next thing you know, they got on do-rags. Boy, bye with the do-rags. <laughs> do on stage, now you're Run DMC. You have no idea. They were yeah. very much into, I guess this is the way to go, so we'll go this way. Or I don't get any of this, so I'm just going to do me. But also giving a, a voice to, like, you know, the skate culture too, right? Yes. Like, right. like they gave a whole a whole generation of kids, you know, like, uh, oh, it's cool to skate and do hip hop. Like this whole, right. these worlds coming together that the now you think athlete. about it, like, it's like, of course it is. But back then, like that was, you know, you didn't it's see hip hop guys right. on skateboards, you know, mm -hmm. so. Uh, JG, and now right. it's such, it's now it's such a normal thing, you know, like skate, hip hop, you know, little, you got Lil Wayne. And, and even now, like growing up, I would watch like uh, skate documentaries where, you know, rappers would be there and they, all they would be listening to is rap. But at the time you got to think about a kid coming up in this, in the early nineties, like they don't know that this is okay. Um, so with something like Sabotage and the BC boys, it's like that stamp on for, of them. Like, yeah, this is my culture. This is, this is the skate life. So yeah, hats off to them for that. Yeah, they kind of set it up for Kid Cudi. Skate push. Oh yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, push, that was right. um no, no, uh, that's, uh, Lupe. Lupe. Lupe, yeah, Lupe Fiasco. fiasco. Oh, Kick push. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. They remind me of uh, each other for some reason. Yeah, they okay. do. So so K, K Boogie. MCA Kanye the VMAs before Kanye did. And I had forgotten yeah. about this. So talk about that moment <laughs> at the VMA Awards. REM gets best video over sabotage, and here he comes. MCA as, as his other character, I can't remember the name of the character he was. Yeah, that the uncle, sweet, the, yeah, Daniel, uncle the, the horn doctor, guy. Or horn blower. That's it. I was uncle horn, horn, horn blower. Yeah, talk about that moment. Listen, when I tell you, I remember that moment. Me too. Yes, because I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> right. Now, for, as a kid growing up, being you know being a BC fan in 1994, BCs was not on my on my radar because they were not a part of what was uh, mainstream black hip hop culture, right? They had kind of fused and turned into some other stuff. So I was like, BC boys still out? What did they do? Like they're wilding. So um, I thought that was funny, <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that they were like, yeah, you know, we played. They showed a clip of them playing their set for Sabotage. You know, screaming into their mics. They all had their yellow jumpsuits on. And he was like, at the end of the day, I want to win. And we won that award show. I was like, mm, let me do some research. <laughs> Looked up 1994. I don't think so. 1994 <laughs> was the year that Snoop was up on murder charges. And he won Best Rap Video for Murder Was the Case. 
He performed murder was the case. There was a casket on the stage. He came out in a wheelchair. He says, I'm innocent. I'm innocent at the end. That was the most memorable performance yeah. of the Iconic. night. I was like, wow. y'all wow. didn't win that performance. Like, <laughs> it's you top MTV performances of all time that Snoop Dogg performances in the top five. Um, yeah. And they're nowhere near that. So I, <laughs> one thing that kind of threw me off occasionally about the doc, and I'm a Beasties fan, is sometimes you miss because they're telling the story, right? It's like anytime your uncle's telling the story, he's always right. sorry. Right, You're missing right. some conceptualization, right? Mm. I'm never getting what's happening in hip hop overall. They never mm. said hip hop took a nice turn. Hip hop was very New York. And we were kind of right. on the outside of that. And we fused and we right. were doing something different. And, you know, right. we were making white boy hip hop or whatever. Mm. You know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, oh, I yeah. never saw them conceptualize yeah. it for the time period. And so I think that's what happens when you get a doc with not a lot of talking heads, right? You run right. at risk. So sure. Yeah. And I All would right, have ladies, liked we're... to have seen a bigger view, but I do like that it was that it was like a bit of a microscope there so that they can <laughs> give only their point of view. But when their they do that, it just sends everybody else out. Like, as you said, that's an excellent point. Kay. What was the thermostat is not the word. What is the temperature? The barometer. Yeah. The, the barometer. barometer. Thank the you. Barometer. Of hip hop at that time. Right. What were That's people feeling? What were they looking to? So big up you for doing your little research. I see you, boo, <laughs> for telling us what to, what was happening in that time. No, that's Because good. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to recall that off the top of the head, but now given right. that light, it brings a visual to this. Like, oh yeah, that wouldn't have made sense if that was this and that was yeah. So that make that brings it all full circle. All right, ladies. So unfortunately, we're we're starting to run out of time here because I know we're all so excited. There's so much <laughs> to talk about. I want to get to. Uh, I want to get to our special segment, but before that, we just got to obviously got to touch on the death of Adam Yalk, right? MCA, he dies from cancer. And, you know, like the doc, like I said in the beginning, he was the brains behind this operation. He really was. You know, he was, he was the one that, you know, he, they even said he was the friend that wanted you to be just as good. He wanted to bring everybody along and let's all do this together. Uh, so that was a really kind of touching moment, especially, I mean, you know, Ad Rock literally kind of breaks down uh, yeah. when he's talking about it, which was, yeah. you know, one of the better moments I felt. Um, Jay Diva, give me some thoughts. Yeah, man, I started to tear up. I'm an emotional person. And <laughs> I am. I'm super emo. Like, I'll start crying. But I, I, I thugged it out so they didn't, like, fall, but they were, like, in my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But- yeah, yes, but it's girl. like for for one, it's like the one thing like how I how I feel about death. Like I just feel like when the when the somebody you love goes on, you all you have are the memories, right? Mm-hmm. You start to realize how important those memories are. Those are just priceless. So it's so great that they had those memories. Like you toured the world world together. Like you guys paid paved some ways in hip hop. You know, you guys were the help originate. Def Jam. So the legacy he left behind, the, the Tibet movement, I, you know, I grew up knowing him as a philanthropist. Right. Um, you know, so the legacy he left behind, it's just like, damn, like, I can only hope to have that kind of legacy when, when I leave and, and be able to touch people the way he, what he was able to. Um, and just their friendship. That's a true, genuine, genuine friendship you saw mm-hmm. among them. And, and that's why, you know, it was so hard for, um, What's his name? Not because it wasn't Mike D. The other one. Ad Rock. Ad Rock. He just got so emotional and it just made me cry because it's like, yo, when you got real friends, you know, that's priceless. 
Nice. Katie Kaboom. Yeah, there's thoughts? no question about it. As I said, I was not, I was a little fuzzy on what he was doing in the Tibetan movement. I was like, wait, we went from jumping up and down on stage, talking about girls, 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 to this, what's happening? Um, so I don't think I, at that time in my life, I wasn't too interested in doing the research. So it's now um, a dope opportunity to see how he made that transition and decided that this was something he wanted to spearhead and be a part of. And the fact that it wasn't just a one-off, that he was able to continue it for years to come and make people aware of this struggle that was happening in a country so far away that we as Americans, you know, us Westerners, all we do is think about us, 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 it's me, 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 me. So to consider that someone else on the other side of the world is hurting is of no consequence to us because it doesn't affect me. And he brought that home and said, actually, it kind of does, because that's how the world works. So let's not only bring attention to their plight, but let's be supportive of it, because this is just wrong. And I believe that th that we as human beings should stand up for what's right. So that meant a great, great deal to me. Um, I, I thought that somehow it was a freak accident. I don't know why I didn't know it was cancer, but it was good to know that, well, obviously it wasn't good to know that he died of cancer, but to get some clarification, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I can only imagine how tough that must've been for them because they literally were joined at the hip. Um, so yeah, having a, a friend of that caliber die, I can only imagine how that must hurt, but to live on and say, you know what? We're no good without him. I thought that mm. was a dope move too. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're very... Um, they're smart guys. They know that they can look into, tap into other um, talents and skills that they have. So why keep a legacy that doesn't include one of the most important members? Just let that go. Let it stay in the archives and the history books as what it is. And then we'll go on to do our own thing and support him in death. Nice. Kay, bring us home. Yeah, I mean, I love that piece too. Yawk was really the heart of the group. And I think it's hard when you have a member die not to kind of idealize when you memorialize them, but it seemed so real because all the way through, they had walked us through so many key parts of his personality, him respecting women, him worrying about other people, him always being the heart of the group. So when they wrapped it at the end, it was really, you know, really true to form. So um, yeah, it was a great way to end, very emotional end. And man, we learned so much, nice. so much. All right, so real quickly, our special segment, Kay, uh, break it down for us. We're going to do a favorite song, favorite lyric, and favorite album, right? Yeah, well, maybe just favorite song, because I think okay, we let's were running, just, yeah, out, we're running out of time. time. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my, I would say definitely I'm going to go first. My favorite song is Brass Monkey. I've never drink, drank Brass Monkey before, Monkey. but the beat, the uh, 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 you just can't beat that. You cannot beat it. What about you, JV? My favorite Beastie song. Well, I'm going to go with video and it, I mean, because my favorite song oh, is video. uh, what you, what you, what you what want. You That's want. my favorite song. Um, but my favorite video is Intergalactic, Intergalactic, and I was so happy that they played it at the end because it was like, yo, oh, you yeah. see that video? It's so dope. They was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was so lit. What about you, Kitty? Favorite song? I definitely, okay, let me tell you, now, dissecting the lyrics, I probably wouldn't choose the song, but at the time, I thought it was an <laughs> anthem to us. So it was all about girls, 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 girls. Say it, say it. I was like, yes, yes, we run the world, we run the world. Clearly, I wasn't listening to nobody. Me neither, girl, about, go make up my dishes. bed, what? go cook me some food. That's what girls do. Like, I probably, even as a child, I was a feminist, so I know I wouldn't have been down with that. So I wasn't listening to the lyrics, clearly. I, all I heard was them screaming girls, and I was girl. one, so I loved it. 
What about uh, you, Sean? Uh, I'm going to have to go. I kind of gave it away at the beginning. Fight for your right to party. It yes. was my childhood party. anthem. You know, I know I still can sing that song spot on anytime. Uh, you know, nice. Uh, your mom threw away your best porno mag. I mean, come on. So good. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Good. Uh, good. All right. Well, that unfortunately is our time. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to, to like, subscribe, interact, guys. We love when you interact. You know, tell us what you think. What were your favorite parts? You know, do we get anything wrong? Just let us know in the comments. Where can we find everybody? Jay Diva, where can we find you? At Jerosalyn Diva, J-E-R-O-S-L-Y-N Diva. Nice. Kitty, boom. <laughs> on IG, I am Kitty Kaboom, K-I-T-T-I-E-K-A-B-O-O-M. And on, uh, what do you call it, Twitter, I'm Kitty Meow. Okay, <laughs> Boogie, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at host K-H-O-S-T-K-A-Y. And I'm your boy, Sean Star 75 on the gram and Gorilla Suit Sean on Twitter. This has nice. been an amazing evening. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for letting me be the one gentleman in the mix. It's been great. It's been great, everybody. This is a great doc. Go check it out. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world. And we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.